bachelor's degree. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wolves. Yeah. Just making sure that you're paying attention. All right. So, thank you, Apostle Tim, for doing all of that. Um, we do have a PowerPoint we do want to go through. We want to briefly summarize everything that you've been through in a sprint uh, in five minutes or less, um, you know, what's been covered the last two weeks. Before we do that, though, I got a joke. They're going to time you. Uh-oh. You can time me. When you say five minutes or less, they're going to time I can do five minutes or less. But they're going to say, well, can we have the slides? <laughs> That's okay. Um, here, uh, let's see. Here's why you should never trust a sandwich. <laughs> they're full of bologna. <laughs> All right, hold on. They get back. They get back. Okay, here you go. Children, you appreciate this. Maybe. Never trust math teachers who use graph paper. Staircases. They're always up to something. Uh, okay. All right. Moving on to our summary. In the last two weeks, the last three weeks, um, today we're talking about practical applications. But in the last two weeks, we started with Jen and Matt, and they were talking about the cost of low trust, mistrust, and the benefits of trust. And they started with a simple definition. Trust is a firm belief in the character, strength, and truth in someone or something, putting confidence in them or in, uh, in our case, people or God in, in particular. Um, but they emphasized that it, it really begins with trust in God. I might take you out, so I better move over. Um, <laughs> just, just for a moment, because I tend to, I, got a little, I must have some Italian in me, because I tend to talk with my hands. Um, they also went through and and hit on something I just threw in a very simple uh, graph, different tension points for how we deal with or how high trust and low trust uh, affects these points, such as creativity and growth. When there's high trust, right, there is a lot of, there's increased creativity and growth versus low trust. trust. Um, willingness to sacrifice is more uh, we, we see more of that in a high-trust environment. Same with rules and regulations. Only here we see rules and regulations go down because we can trust people, so we don't need as many rules and regulations, right? Relationships flourish in a high-trust environment versus withering in a low-trust environment. Communication is improved with high-trust. Conflict, conflict is actually a wonderful thing in a high-trust environment, and it can be addressed and resolved Versus playing games, dealing with speculations, what is he thinking, what is she thinking, and so on and so forth, and going around that tree for months and sometimes even years. Um, productivity goes up. Atmosphere is life-giving versus toxic, right? So solutions, you know, where there's, where there's high-trust solutions, there are God ideas, right, with, um, with high-trust atmosphere versus uh, with low-trust, we tend to politicize things or things are lacking. And the same with loyalty and morale. It, it is found in greater measure in high-trust environments. Last week, Apostle Tim and Pastor Jeannie, bless Pastor Jeannie, who came uh, and did a, what, 15-minute sermon over at Genoa Christian just to come and be with us last week. So that was that was fun to have the two of them together. Um, they were talking about biblical foundations or a biblical view of trust. And they hit on many things. Apostle Tim was talking that trust is found 157 times within God's word. And at the center verses, uh, Psalms 22, 9 and 10. Is that, no? Oh, well this worked too. <laughs> is, no? That, that is 118. Oh, that is 118? Oh, right, so I wrote the wrong. You got the right verses. So Psalm 118, verses 9 and 10. Yeah. Okay. Well, eight and nine, eight and nine, not nine and ten. Well, what good was this? I'm going to go over my five minutes now. Oh, well. Anyway, so the center verses in the Bible talk about trust. That's the so what and who cares. And he was also 
uh, talking about the fact that when you do a, a search, and I was finding this as well as I was searching through the last few weeks, there are very few scriptures that reference trusting in man. Most are trusting in God. But Pastor Jeannie kind of brought it full circle with First John chapter 4 and verse 2. You know, how can we say that we love, uh, love God or trust God who we do not see when we cannot love or trust people whom we do? Right? So there's an element of even though, yes, we should place our trust in God and that's our primary focus, we learn to trust God by trusting others. Because we see and deal with, and we are the body of Christ. Um, there were several other things. They went on to, uh, with Psalm 9, verse 10, talking about having an intimate knowledge, a knowing, and how that affects our trust, you know, helping to build with intimacy. Um, so, bottom line, trust in people as much as they put their trust in God. And we're going to talk a little bit today about practical ways to dive into that. So there you go, under five minutes. What? It was close. Um, I knew somebody out talking. there had a timer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's this, uh, I don't know, old youth group early on. If Pastor Fred came to youth group with little notes that you knew that little notes meant you were going to be there a long time. <laughs> a long time. I got a lot of those today. <laughs> anyway, so the inspiration for uh, this trust series, uh, Pastor Fred was taking a uh, RAIN leadership course with other leadership leaders within the RAIN network. That's the apostolic network that our church belongs to. And during this, how long was it? Six months? About six months. Yeah, it was a six-month class where um, there were assignments and reading and homework. And uh, after you've been away from that for a while as an adult, you kind of like, you got to get back in the groove kind of deal. And a lot of the things that we've gleaned over the last few weeks have been from three books. Um, so... One is the called the Trust Edge. It's by David Horsager. There's another one that's called Smart Trust by Stephen Covey and Greg Leak. And then there's a last one, which is called The Speed of Trust, and that's by Stephen Covey. I had them up there, but they must have. They disappeared. Oh well. I don't know where they went. If you really so if want you to know, need... I can. Yeah, if you need specifically those names of those books, we can give them to you later. Uh, But anyway, today we're going to be talking more about the practical aspects of trust. And most of the stuff that we have today is coming from the book, The Speed of Trust, written by Stephen Covey. And um, what he likes to do in his book, or in his, uh, yeah, in his book, is he likes to equate trust with a bank account. Or as he calls it, he calls it a trust account. So you're either, with a typical average bank account, you're either making a deposit or you're making a withdrawal. So in terms of a trust account, we're either, as people in relationships, we're either making a deposit or we're making a withdrawal. So, when it comes to the issue of trust, it needs to be displayed not only in your words, but in your actions. You know, a lot of us can say, yeah, we'll do this, no, we won't do that, or, yeah, I can do that, and, you know, nothing happens. Either that, or there's no communication, or other things. And we've all kind of been in in those situations before. But trust needs to be displayed in your actions. Uh, Proverbs 18.24 says that he who hath friends must show himself friendly. And I say, he that has trust, you can put other qualities in there. He that has trust must show himself trustworthy. 
To have people trust, you have to show yourself trustworthy. There's a spiritual law of sowing and reaping that's that's real and that's mentioned in God's word. You know, sowing seeds of trust, you're going to receive trust. If you sow seeds of mistrust, of suspicion, of speculation, of, you know, I'm not sure about that person, then people aren't going to trust you. One of the uh, aspects of the, the way this article views things is when you look at things like a like an account like this, you know, how often, you know, if we're taking our, our savings account, it seems like it takes forever to build up, and yet we can wipe it out in a moment, you know, with car repairs, or we can wipe it out with just things that come up out of the blue. Trust is the same way. Um, you know, we can, we can build and build and build, but it can get wiped out pretty quickly, and pretty soon with a little piggy bank on the bottom who's kind of feeling all beat up because... Hey, all my trust was withdrawn because of what you did, what you said, what I perceived you did, and so on and so forth. Yes. So we can't have trust unless we sow trust. We live in a, a society, a societal culture that breeds mistrust. I don't trust you. Uh, there's an error. There's an error of I, I, you can only trust in yourself. You know, there's a lot of talk about self. Doing things by myself and I don't need you. And, um, you know, going, you know, doing things solo. And, um, you know, I mean, like, cultural, you know, sometimes ethnic groups, you know, they... Just to think of the political climate. You know, people are coming against each other. The whole COVID thing. You know, people don't trust each other because you're wearing a mask or you're not wearing a mask. Um, it just doesn't end. And the only way for that to change, for us to shift away from those kind of societal norms or that pressure, is that you need to make a conscious choice to change your personal views and relationships towards trust in people and displaying that you yourself can be trustworthy. And not judging people just from the exterior or what you read about them on Facebook or what assumptions you make from people saying certain things in certain areas. And just a disclaimer right off, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, needing trust, you know, whether on a state level, a national level, so on and so forth, um, as a people, even on a church level, it's not equal. All you know, every relationship is not equal. You mean just look to the human body? I know I've used this analogy over the last several weeks, but not every cell touches every other cell. There's not intimacy between every cell in the body. But if we don't have intimacy with the cells that are next to us, the whole thing breaks down. And so there's levels of trust that we need, and you're going to, to give people more of a, a, a wide berth. You're going to sow more into some than you will others, and that's wisdom. That's true. And, you know, God gives, you know, all of that submitted to the Holy Spirit, God gives us wisdom of, you know what, you shouldn't trust that guy, or, you know what, trust this recommendation by this person, you know, because they hear from God. You know, so it's good that, you know, we're submitting our relationships, our our own, what you would call issues or whatever, and surrendering, surrendering those to God. And, you know, asking him, God, what do I do about this? How do I trust this person? I don't want to trust this person, but how do I do that? So as we go further into the idea of withdrawals and deposits, we're going to run through really quick um, 13 things that Stephen Covey has highlighted in terms of withdrawals and deposits, good trust behaviors versus not so good. Oh. Yes. 
So I'm going to mention the, the things that cause a trust withdrawal. Actually, we can probably just go both ways. All right. So we'll start with the withdrawals. So our first one, if you're lying and twisting words and you're giving half-truths, you know, that's a withdrawal. But the deposit is to talk straight to somebody, to be honest, in a kind way. Sometimes we can speak our minds, and it doesn't come out so well. And we need to submit that to the Holy Spirit. That'll vary from person to person. That is true. You know, I can be very direct with some people. I cannot be very direct with others. <laughs> and and that's okay. You know, we, we meet people at different places, and, and that's where Holy Spirit comes in and says, eh, shut up for a moment. Don't <laughs> say it quite so much like this. Take the back door. But God, this is going to take forever. Yeah, but that's okay because I love this person, and I want to do that. This is an investment. Well, and how many of you ever got in trouble with, like, something on Facebook or a text you wanted to send back to somebody, and you just, you have it all planned out, and you're just like, you type it all in, and you just are at that point where, like, you have to hit the send button, and you're like, oh, God, I shouldn't do that. And so Every you, single day. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and God bless you. <laughs> so we, a lot of us have been in, in those situations, you know, where we have to, like, dial it back a little bit, you know? Time after time, texting has gotten me into a lot of trouble. Because texting, you can't interpret tone and um, emotion and all those kind of things. You know, if you can do things in cap letters, yes. Yes. I had a a student once years ago, when we started the Ignitia um, uh, curriculum in school, the students have the ability to message me. You know, so like they need something unlocked or, you know, they have a question or whatever. And I had the student write me something in all caps. <laughs> Please, you know, do this for me, Mrs. Garcia. And it was like kind of like a demand. And it was it was just like, I was like, and I went to the student, I was like, I'm sorry, but I won't do this for you. <laughs> and she didn't know. But it was like, writing something in all caps is telling somebody else that you better do it, that you're ticked off, that you're angry, and I'm the only person on this earth. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, we learn all those things. it can be interpreted that way. Yes, it can be, whether you intended it to be that way or not. Because the truth is, there are no written rules, you know, about how to interpret things, which is why things get so messy with emails and texts. Yes, it does. Because, you know, especially, I mean, all of us have been in a spot where, like, you've been in a certain mood or something just happened, and then you read this email, and you're just like, I don't know what this person meant. Screw them! You know, and and probably their email or their letter or their note had nothing to do with what you just went through. Sometimes it's the state of where your mind is, and sometimes we get tired, and sometimes we get weary, and sometimes we don't want to deal with another thing. Well, human. And, and there's another side to this as well, because while I totally agree, yes, we need to be direct with people, it's not the place I come from. Um, this was not my nature. This is not the thing that I just did. Okay? So, you know, you go back 20 years and you tell me, well, you got to be direct with people. <laughs> and I would just shrink back and say, well, I just don't want to deal with people. Okay? Because it's scary. Because if there is no measure of trust, if you're a mysterious wolf and have trust issues, <laughs> it, you're going to have a hard time being direct because you're not sure if it's safe. It, and this is this is what those those of us, and I'm becoming the opposite now. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm becoming much more direct. Uh, you know, thanks to people I'm in a relationship you're with. You're becoming a pack wolf instead of a lone wolf. <laughs> I am. I, I'm no longer mysterious. Or I'm becoming less Or the pack. <laughs> you're in a group now of mysterious wolfers. Wolves. Wolfers. <laughs> Just sit down, dude. Um, <laughs> and I only have one cup of coffee today, Eddie. You can have some more. Um, I um, just totally lost my train. But that, so we need to just 
realize that there's two sides to that. When we're being direct, you might be dealing with someone who has some trust issues. So, tone it down. Maybe you just need to start with building trust in other ways. And, you know, what we have to say about each one of these things, there isn't, there's, it's just like infinite. I mean, you know, each situation is different. What works for you will work for somebody else. Um, These are just guidelines just to consider and for you to kind of evaluate, hey, you know, I'm, I kind of do this more than I do that. And, you know, this is just something that I want to get better at and I want to change. Well, and before she even goes on, we go on. Um, I don't know. So so we've got this available to you, okay? Some people love tests and self-evaluation. Some people do not. I remember Matthew saying that he had to do them all through high school, so he didn't care if he ever did another one in his lifetime. I, I, I get it. I, I totally respect that. Uh, at the same time, a good self-evaluation tool or a good tool at the right time can be really beneficial uh, to, to shed light on where you're at with things. And so we'll have this available afterwards. It, it goes through all of this in greater detail that you can just plot where you're at on this. Or maybe maybe you, a husband and wife decides they want to, hey, let's see where we're at and then, you know, talk about that. Or let's see where we're at and set it aside. And we don't want to talk about this. I don't know. We're not good with conflict. We're just going to fill it out and set it aside. I don't know. Um, But it's a tool if you want to use it for growth. You know, when you're honest with yourself, when you fill something like this out, you can look at it and go, all right, eh, I could do better in this area. Because let's face it, we're we receive those things a whole lot better when we do self-evaluations than when Veronica comes up and says, you know, you really stink at this. Oh, right? Um, we don't always think that well. But when we stop and think about it, sometimes we go, oh, she's right. And so this is available. That is true. Okay, we only need to do the first one. We got 12 more. Which we don't have to go in great detail with all. Uh, I know, but this is fun. Uh, so uh, the next withdrawal is being disrespectful, showing you don't care about a person and what they have to say and not valuing them. And so the opposite, the deposit is to demonstrate respect. However, that looks through you, whether that's, you know, taking time to, I am a firm believer in eye contact. You know, I want my students to look at me and I want them to take their headphones off when they're talking to me, because I want them to know that they hear me, and I want them to see that I see them. And they, you know, some of them feel very uncomfortable with that, but too bad. You're being taught for how to function as an adult. Okay? I do that with adults, and there's some adults that don't feel comfortable with that as well, but that is a sign of respect. So respect, honor can be used interchangeably. Yes. And um, one of the things I was listening to this this week was pointing out, well, honor is not equal across the board from culture to culture, from family culture to uh, from New York (laughs) to Midwest Ohio. Culture is different. So, you know, to take the extreme, you know, someone walking out the door and flipping someone else the bird may be a sign of respect. You know, it's kind of a, a, a greeting in New York, where it's here, you're going, Ooh-hoo. right? Culture kind of dictates some of those things. There. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. It, you know, the Italian who's very emphatic versus, you know, the Polacks who are less. Yes, we are. That is, yes, that is culturally wrong. Sorry. I have Polish heritage. She's Polish. All right. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, but you get what I'm saying. So you may need respect defined a little bit from culture to culture, family group to family group, because what you do to me, which may seem disrespectful, you go, oh, no, I meant that as a compliment. Oh, okay. Interesting. I never would have received it that way, but now I know. So thank you. All right, thanks. Um, 
So our next withdrawal is to withhold information and to keep secrets from each other. I'm going to pretend like you. And so the opposite that of that, the deposit, is to create transparency. You know, that's a word that you hear often. Our politicians and our government leaders are going to be transparent. This is going to be the most transparent administration that you ever had. And you're just like, yeah, you know it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be the most <laughs> secretive, you know, administration that you've ever had. Don't do like politicians do. You want to be honest with people. Okay? What you know is good information. Now, you need to share things with people, not in a cocky, arrogant, I know what's best kind of way. But you want to be honest and create a, a sense and a the only word that comes to mind is safe space <laughs> for people to do that. Our next one is the withdrawal is not taking responsibility for your mistakes, blaming others, or not going the extra mile to make things right. The deposit, make things right. Apologize, say you're sorry. Tell somebody, I really screwed up. How can I fix this? Keep going until things are right. Our next one, our withdrawal, is throwing somebody under the bus. <laughs> Some of us have heard that expression before. That's like you're, you're doing a group project and you take all the credit. Or you're doing a group, group project and it fails. And you say, oh, it was T's fault. He screwed it all up. That is throwing somebody under the bus. You don't want to do that. We need to stand with each other when things get difficult. You don't want to be all, you also don't want to be two-faced with people. And so what we want to do, so being two-faced and throwing people under the bus and um, running, scattering when things get hard, that's what we don't want to do. That's the withdrawal. But we want to show loyalty. We want to show commitment to the process. You know, if The ship goes down, everybody's going down. <laughs> kind of like this the Star Trek Enterprise, you know? <laughs> All of us have seen various Star Trek movies over the years. And the captain stays on until it's all over, until the end. But oftentimes, the officers will stay with the captain to honor him and to say, you know what, you're not going to face this alone. Or if the ship's going down, we're all going down with you. And and there's like a, a camaraderie. There's like a cohesion that happens when you commit. Show loyalty in a situation, especially when it's hard. And I think a, a huge key, I know a huge key with all of this, is it begins with humility. It begins with stepping on our pride. You know, Michelle talked about that willingness to say I was wrong or I need help or I really don't know what I'm doing here. Um, it, it's what's called vulnerability-based trust. Um, one of the things I've been listening to, and, and I've, I've listened and, and watched this a number of times over the last six months, it's a really good teaching. It's by a fellow named uh, Patrick Lencioni. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of um, Teams. And uh, I'll have the information at the end. It's about 35 minutes. It's very entertaining. It's got a lot of really good stories. Um, but any, at any rate, you know, it all hinges upon our willingness to lay down our pride. And especially if we're a leader, you know, to, to, to be willing to say, I need help. I'm a mysterious wolf. I need help. I have trust issues. Help me out here. Uh, or I'm struggling with this project, or I don't know what I'm doing over here. I know I was put in charge, but I'm clueless. Um, 
it's it's that vulnerability based trust versus you know what's called predictive trust. And, and at any rate, um, he goes through how that's at the pinnacle. If you don't have that, then there is no room for conflict. If you don't have vulner, a vulnerability-based relationship, a trust-based relationship where you can be honest and say, oh, I screwed up again and again. You know, yes, yeah, some of that can be incompetence, right? But um, if we're not vulnerable there, then we can't trust each other with conflict. If we can't trust each other with conflict, it goes right down, uh, right down the list. You know, he condenses it into five dysfunctions. This guy does 13, but one builds on another. Yeah. You know, if you can't have good, healthy conflict, you can't come to any sort of agreement. An agreement isn't necessarily, I agree with you 100%. It's we've talked about things. You've heard me. Let's move forward together. Yeah. And then if, if we can't have that, then there's no buy-in. There's no buy-in to the vision that's being cast. And if we don't have that, then we don't get the results, whatever the results might be. There, you know, maybe we're, we're going for, uh, you know, whether the saving of souls or building a bank account or, or the improvement of a marriage, so on and so forth. A greater family culture. It all begins with vulnerability. Some level of vulnerability in, in our trust groups or teams. You're not going to share or have that same level of vulnerability with everybody. Yep. Not gonna, you're not going to go to the used car dealership and say, hey! Guess what I did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're just not going to go and share that with a complete stranger. Yep. Building trust takes time. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So, our next one, our withdrawal is that you don't keep your word. You fail to do what you said you would do and you do things part way, you know, you make sure that there's progress, but the end result never happens. The deposit is to deliver. It's to deliver the results and do what you said you would do, even if it may be to your own hurt. And sometimes we get ourselves into situations where things get overwhelmed and life gets crazy and you know, there's grace and understanding now, hopefully for all of that, but you get the idea. The next one is, in terms of the withdrawal, not being open to personal growth, that you're, you're remaining static, static and stagnant, and you're not taking the time to invest in change. And this is one, uh, this next phrase um, that they mentioned about this withdrawal, which kind of made me pause to think a second was that you're always trying to force every problem into your solution. And that just made me think, you know, because sometimes you get used to dealing with a problem in a certain way and it's just like, oh, okay, well, if it worked over here, then it's going to work over here for this one. And that doesn't necessarily mean that your way is the right way all the time. And that's kind of like another level in terms of control issue. Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Lever and I have gotten a lot better in the learning center. <laughs> and I used to, and I had to repent to my students, you know, that Mrs. Garcia's way, I used to think Mrs. Garcia's way of doing homework, taking notes, learning your stuff, doing this and that, was the way to do stuff. And God was like, you just got to back off from these kids and relax which is true, and I've gotten better at it. But I had to repent to my students and say, you know what, Mrs. Garcia, her way is just one way, but then you are way different than Mrs. Garcia is, so I have to allow you to be my way. Amen? Amen. So, or allow you to be your way. That came out wrong. <laughs> you know what I meant? <laughs> All right, so the next one is burying your head in the sand, consuming yourself with busy work and not willing to discuss issues. The opposite, the deposit for that, is to confront reality. Be real. 
This is our problem. This is what we're dealing with. Who's got ideas of how we can fix this? The next one, the withdrawal is assume expectations. Don't express expectations. You create vague and shifting expectations. So the rules are always changing. How many of us have been in situations where, yeah, this is the plan and this is what we're going to do, and that's what the plan is, and that's the vision for like two days, and then it gets switched two days later, and you're just like, well, we just decided to do that two days ago. I mean, there is some wiggle room for that in life, okay? But sometimes when the expectations or the plan isn't, or the vision isn't set out straight, it causes people to have confusion and to wonder what my, what is my part. I mean, you know, the scripture said if there's no vision, the people will perish. How many of us have been part of projects, group projects, where it's like, I don't know who's in charge. We're supposed to do this thing together, but who knows? So the opposite of that is to clarify your expectations, to communicate. Our next withdrawal is not having yourself being accountable to anyone or holding people accountable for their actions. Being okay with, it's not my fault, it's that blame shifting. Being okay with that excuse. The deposit for that is to practice accountability. Making sure that, you know, you have somebody that you can, I guess you could say report to, that you could give you an honest sense of feedback. Whether it's a boss or a supervisor or, you know, like all the, like Pastor Fred, he has accountability to Apostle Tim. You know, he's not the lone wolf, the lone mysterious wolf just taking over the church and, and doing things he reports to somebody because there's there's good there's good things in that. It's it's healthy to be accountable to someone, no matter what the situation. And let me just add to that. You know, I'm accountable from a structure standpoint. The way our, our articles and everything is set up, I don't have to be accountable. I choose to be accountable. This isn't something that Pastor Tim lords anything over over me. I desire to sit under and have accountability from him, and there's a few others as well that I need that in my life. Yeah. You know, any pastor, any leader needs another leader um, helping kind of guide and light the way uh, because we can't see everything and we can't do everything spite of the fact that we think we can and think we should be able to. You know, for me, if I can, you know, these uh, clarifies expectations, practices accountability, listen first, keeps commitments, that all rolls into one for me. Because it's kind of the the two sides of the fence. It's what's going on with me, perhaps as a leader, I need to be very clear and give those expectations. But it's really on both sides because the other person's got to clarify those expectations. And it requires listening on both parts. And and then it's keeping commitments and practicing accountability. You know, you know, take the little things like doing what we say we're going to do. Not only do we need to actually do it, okay, whether it's being on time or delivering this or... It's those little things that we often take for granted that take huge uh, um, withdrawals from those trust accounts. It's, it's the little things. Um, how can I trust? You know, it's the parable of, of um, um, the, yeah. What parable? The money, <laughs> the money lender, the guy who gives the money. The talents. Right? The talents. Thank you. That's the word. Good night. Um, but it's the parable of the talents. You know, how can we trust you with much if you're not faithful in the little? But 
all of that comes with good communication on both parts. It's usually or seldom one or the other, um, but it's multiple things. And uh, anyways. Well, he just did a better job at running through the those last three. So, <laughs> but that just brings us to the last one about withholding trust. <clears throat> and uh, when you when you grant fake trust to somebody, or when you're not like there's a, a an assignment or something to do, and you grant fake trust, and then you say, "Oh yeah, I trust you to do that," but then you're supervising over everything that you're doing, um, or some people would call that micromanaging. Um, who wants to be on one side of that? Nobody wants to be. All right? So it's important that you extend trust to people and you come alongside them and you say, you know what? If you have trouble, come see me. How can I help you? You know, creating a, an environment of trust and uh, communication is critical and letting people know it's totally okay if you need help and I'm here to help you through it all. And realize that as much as lists like this can be really helpful, yeah. right? And we could come up with three or four different lists from three or four different people because everybody views it slightly differently, right? Yeah. But in the same way it can be helpful, it can also be a danger. Right, because it can lead to well. If I check this box and this box and this box, well, then I must be doing things right. Or if this person doesn't, ah, you didn't do it right, right? And and so we've got to have a healthy dose of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. It's not a, a, a just strictly checking the boxes and I'm good with my trust. Oh, you know, because who among us hasn't screwed up and broken trust on at least some level? And here's the thing. Many of us have broken trust with people on huge levels that we don't even realize because that person totally walked away and didn't give us any feedback. So we don't know why they walked away. We just know, huh, where'd Bob go? I don't know any Bobs. Well, I know several Bobs, but <laughs> I'm related to actually several. So where'd Harry go? But you get what I'm saying? You know, there's got to be a healthy dose of forgiveness, grace, and mercy, because we want that extended. It's that sowing and reaping, right? And you might be, you know, looking at this list and thinking, oh, God, there's 13 things and whatever. It's, this is not an end-all list, but you have to choose what's right for you. You know, we're just kind of laying out this information only for you to consider and to pray about and to take before God and say, you know what, you know, where do I stand in these kind of things? Or how can I improve my relationships? How can I trust people better? You know, the conversation starts with bringing it before God and bringing it before those who are closest to you. And maybe, you know, choosing a couple things, like, to work on. You know, oh, I want to get better at, at keeping my word and being there on time and returning emails in a great way. Or answering texts, you know, within 24 hours or whatever. Whatever God highlights for you of, of what would work better in your life. Or often, he will highlight a certain person, a certain relationship. And, you know, God can, you can say, and pray to God and say, you know, God, how can I make this better with Nifa? You know, how can I show support for her, be an encouragement for her, and, and share my heart with her? It's, it's about connecting and showing compassion and loving each other and understanding and consideration, you know, over having your agenda. So. Um, I just, I was going to just highlight it really quick. So um, there was an acronym that I came across in terms of trust. Um, and this guy, this Bible teacher, um, he came up with this acronym in terms of the letters of the word trust. And uh, for the letter T, he emphasized that it's time. You know, trust takes time. Plain and simple. You need to invest time in people for trust to be built. Ours relationship. 
Relationship between people doesn't happen in a void. Without doing anything. You need to have action, interaction, to have relationship. As we've been discussing, a great part, a huge key to relationship is communication. You is understanding. Communicating and purposing to understand each other, it takes work. As to sensitivity, being sensitive to people's experiences. And as Pastor Fred was saying earlier, not everybody's experience with trust, either what they learned growing up or what they've experienced throughout their lifetime is the same. Often, when people have difficulty trusting, there's some woundedness. Something has happened where somebody has disappointed them or broken their trust. And for that, for you to move on and to grow in a trust relationship with people, you need to be open to Holy Spirit pointing those things out to you and recognizing that forgiveness is a key to that. Forgiveness is a huge key to getting through difficulties with other people. And when you forgive somebody, you're not necessarily saying that whatever this person maybe said about you or didn't do or whatever, or how they failed you, whatever, was the right thing. You're not acknowledging that they were right. You're just getting out of the way and let God deal with them, and you're being released in the process. And the last one is tenacity. You know, staying there, being loyal, being committed to the process and the relationship. So in there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you could, we could go on, we won't. And on and on and on. There's a lot that goes to and huh? Yeah. Um, but you get the idea. Um, and if this stirs things in you, maybe there are areas that need to be healed so that you can trust more. So let us help you deal with that. Or find someone who can help you deal with that. Because it's so important. Um, you know, we weren't designed to be the lone wolf. We were designed for a relationship at varying amounts. At uh, several elders' meetings, you know, about, you know, Pastor Jeannie is a great example of someone who recharges by being around people. And then on the opposite side is Pastor Tim, and I can relate to this more so, you know, put me in a room by myself, let nobody in for the next 48 hours, and that recharges me. Maybe not 48 hours. He could go a couple weeks. I probably couldn't go that long. <laughs> right? We're all different. And some of that is just learning and, and, and dealing with those differences. So, um, before we close, and, and we're just going to close with communion, um, were, were there any questions or any anything else that anyone wanted to bring up? If there are, if this stirs things, seek his sound. If the um, slides would be helpful, I can get them to you. Um, I'm, I am very much audio-visual. I learn with both. And so you'll, tend, you'll find that I tend to do both quite a bit because that's how I learn. Um, I like pictures of pigs dropping in and so on. So. <laughs> Let's pull this up. <clears throat> so we decided to end with this because even as I alluded to earlier, there is no greater act of trust than what Jesus demonstrated with the Father, right? Father, I'm trusting you with this. I don't understand. 
Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, if this can pass me by, I'd sure like it. But I trust you. I don't understand that kind of trust. Honestly, I greatly appreciate it. And as we all do. But it is so high and, and far above what I'm capable of in and of myself. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that act of trust. Jesus trusting the Father. And because he trusted the Father, we have eternal life. It's available to us. We have available to us everything. Everything that we could ever ask or conceive. And he gives us so much more beyond what we can ask or, or, or conceive when we stop and look at it. So, Jesus, we just thank you for being our source of trust. We thank you for what you demonstrated, that trust demonstrated with the Father. We don't understand in fullness what we've desired. So as we partake this morning, we just pray that you would just work things into us and work things out of us. We pray that you would come and have your way in us. We thank you that you are the bread of life sent from heaven broken on our behalf. Thank you that by your stripes we're healed, body, soul, and spirit. We thank you for the new covenant you've established in your blood. Something which no one before you could ever do or had ever done and no one since you ever needs to do or could do. So we bless you, Jesus. We celebrate we celebrate your death, your resurrection, and your release of power so that we can live victoriously and in trust with one another as you designed. Amen. I encourage you to come up with your families. Uh, just real quick, for those at home, I encourage you, you know, if you didn't have elements prepared, take some time. As you know, we're signing off. Um, take some time to to do that with your family. Get some juice. Get some bread. Get a cracker if you prefer unleavened. Get a tortilla. Um, but celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Him as a family. Celebrate Him as individuals if you're by yourself. But He is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And it's because of this that we can do anything and everything. It's in Him with him and through him. So uh, if you need more information, you can go to um, arcgenoa.org. You can contact us there, and you can even, there's a little button, you can meet Jesus. So, all right, bless you. We're signing off, and for the rest of you, if you would come and receive.